Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is... This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Holland America's Westerdam with Bruce, a seasoned cruiser, and his girlfriend, a first-time cruiser, and also soon-to-be fiancé. More on that later. Hey, Bruce. Hi, Doug. Where did you sail out of, by the way? Well, it was right down the street almost, actually, about (laughs) two hours south of where I am in Los Angeles, down in San Diego. Okay, cool. Very cool. Well, I'm very excited to talk about the Westerdam because I've sailed it, I think, a couple of years ago, and I love this ship. So uh, excited to get your thoughts on her. But before we get to the ship, uh, give us some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to sail this seven-night Mexican Riviera Christmas cruise? Well, I was kind of forced into it. <laughs> it ended up being my girlfriend. I asked her if she wanted to go on a cruise. She'd never been on a cruise. And I said, well, let's go on a cruise. She was off Christmas week. She works at a university in Los Angeles and the campus closes down. So that set the date. So it was Christmas to New Year's. And then I wanted to stay fairly close because flying all the way to the East Coast would have blown off a day. So it was San Diego. Holland American Line was sailing out on Saturday, December 24th, and the timing worked out. We planned it approximately, oh, two and a half, three months uh, before the sailing and got one of the last cabins available. It was pretty much sold out when uh, I started looking at it. But San Diego is just a two-hour drive south of Los Angeles. It looked like a good experience, first experience for my girlfriend, three days in port three days at sea. We'd been to all these ports before uh, as, uh, you know, flying in by air. So seeing them and arriving by cruise ship was going to be something new. When you go like two hours to a cruise port from your house, do you normally drive day of? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, We thought about going down and spending Friday night just for fun. But then Friday night traffic from LA to San Diego is pretty nasty. Ah, So Saturday morning traffic was great. We went down and the harbor in San Diego is very close to the airport. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the parking structures and parking facilities can work for either the airport or the harbor. So we drove down, parked the car in one of the structures. They had shuttles to take us over to the ship. Cool. You get to the cruise pier in San Diego. How was that embarkation process for you? Well, it worked out pretty well. In fact, the wait to get through uh, security was about as long as the check-in time. So about 15 minutes to get through the security line, and then 15 minutes through check-in, and boom, onto the ship. You make your way on board. You cross the gangway. What were your first impressions of Westerdam? It doesn't give you that wow experience of the big, massive atrium. The mm-hmm. The central atrium is maybe three stories tall, fairly small. It was decorated for Christmas. You got the impression right away that this was a Christmas cruise. And it was pretty standard. I, I, the Holland American ship is, is a mid-sized ship and not a lot of flash, but it was uh, very nice. What kind of stateroom did you book? We booked a veranda category VA mm-hmm. cabin. Nicely sized. About as I looked at the rest of the cabins peeking in during the cruise, looked like we had pretty much a standard cabin, standard balcony, enough room for two small uh, wicker chairs and a table. It was very comfortable. Uh, I'd have to say that the colors were all muted. And let me tell you also that the ship is headed into dry dock in April 
of 2017, and they're going to do massive renovations in the public spaces and in the cabins. So a few of the things started to look a a little bit worn on the ship in the cabin, but uh, they reassured us the soft goods and some of the furniture is going to be swapped out. Uh, The bathroom, good-sized bathroom with a tub, was going to be renovated a little bit to give it a little more uh, style. It was very plain and uh, muted and uh, simple, but uh, comfortable size, uh, good storage, had a lot of storage, which I didn't realize at first. My girlfriend stumbled across it underneath the bed, two big, large drawers under the bed. And uh, with that, there was plenty of storage for uh, for two people. It would have been fine for additional people because it had a a couch that would make up into a bed, but uh, no problem with storage, and the room was just right. You're a gadgets guy like myself. Uh, you bet. What, what did you think about the um, the plugs and all that? Was there enough for you there? Well, I'm always prepared, So, and I know from listening to your podcast and, and uh, the ships I've been on in the past, I had a small multi-plug unit that allowed me to convert one plug to two. I didn't go any farther than that. And then I also had a a USB charger that is uh, kind of -of state-of-the-art with high power outputs and didn't have any problem with the charging. Cool. Let's uh, switch gears here and talk about dining. We'll start at the Lido buffet area and work our way out from there. So what were your thoughts at the Lido Lido Grill, the Lido... Well, the Lido restaurant is how they kind of show it on the map. But first thing, let me just tell you that that if you're taking someone on a cruise for the very first time and it's new to them, I would kind of suggest you you not kind of plan on having your first meal be that Lido deck meal on the boarding day where everybody has kind of gotten onto the ship and they head right to the Lido restaurant. Mm -hmm. That first lunch was packed with people. It was a Christmas cruise, lots of kids. And I could tell from my girlfriend, she was a little wary of, so this is what it's going to be like. Um, On all the other days, the Lido restaurant was just fine. Uh, It wasn't crowded because the passengers were being shared with the other restaurant venues. The food was very good in the buffet, probably what I would have expected from uh, similar to other ships that I've been on. The staff was there. Very attentive, not just the staff that were behind the counters, but the staff that was working around the outside edges. Uh, you could ask them for things and they'd help you. I uh, was very impressed with the staff and the, and the food was very good. Outside of the Lido area, does Westerdam have that dive-in grill? Yes, they do. Up against the, on the Lido deck near the pool, they have the dive-in uh, kind of burger joint type of place. And you're able to get just basic burger and fries kind of meals a hot dog it's uh, accessible right out to the pool deck so it's like a it's designed mostly to service the pool area cool uh, did you do uh, the pinnacle grill on this sailing yeah you bet i didn't expect it to be as good as it was uh, i would compare it to anything on on the land it's a steakhouse we both had beef it was some of the best beef i think i've had in in quite a while uh was very impressed we had one dinner at the Pinnacle Grill. The fee, I believe, was $35. There is another specialty restaurant, Canaletto, which is an Italian-style restaurant, served with bigger portions, maybe even a little what you might call family-style. It was very good. A little disappointed in that it shares its space 
it looks like a little bit of an afterthought in the Lido restaurant. They've cornered off a section and made it into Canaletto in the evenings. And uh, but the food was very good at Canaletto. And there's a third option. I guess you might call it a pop-up restaurant, Le Cirque, a French restaurant that pops up. I believe it's in the Pinnacle Grill space. Mm-hmm. Did not go to that. Yeah. Uh, it was I believe it's a fifty dollar uh, per person charge. Oh, the Canaletto was fifteen dollars per person additional. But skip Le Cirque. Not a big French restaurant kind of guy, and so I skipped that. Cool. For the main dining room, what time dining did you have? We were open seating in the main dining room and had most of our meals there. I don't think we ever had a wait. We sat at a table for two most of the time. I believe two dinners we asked to sit with other couples, other groups, and it was enjoyable to to talk to them. But the Vista dining room is what it's called, the main dining room. The food was good. The presentations were beautiful. But I would just say the food was good. There, were, there appeared to be a nice selection every night. It varied a bit. One of the nights that we were in a specialty restaurant was the lobster specialty, kind of the fancy night in the, uh, the Vista dining room. So I missed the kind of the big deal dinner there because we were in a specialty restaurant. But uh, I had a few breakfasts there. Uh, my girlfriend enjoyed a nice sit-down a little quieter atmosphere than the Lido restaurant buffet. But I'll, I'll agree with you. In the past, you've said, if you can't kind of watch them make your waffles and pancakes, don't order them. Right. <laughs> so ordering waffles and pancakes in the restaurant, it was a little disappointing. But all the other dishes that we had for breakfast were good. The dinners were good. But then I, I guess I might want I'm, – maybe I'm comparing them to the meals that I had at the Pinnacle and at Canaletto, which were very, very good. So, But I enjoyed the dinners. My girlfriend, who had never had this experience before, was impressed and thought it was amazing they could serve dinner to all these people so quickly <laughs> and so well. So, But we enjoyed uh, the dining options in all the restaurants. Cool. I want to talk about the entertainment and uh, especially from your girlfriend's point of view because she was a first-time cruiser. What did you think of the entertainment options on this seven-night sailing? I think she she was impressed. It, I guess you might call it the Broadway-style show with a cast of 12, I believe. They had three or four of those performances. We went to every one of those. was very impressed. They had the comedian come in and and did the main lounge one night, and he did the smaller lounge another night. There was a, a couple, a Jesse Kazmek, I believe his name was. He did a, a Beatles show in the main lounge uh, or in the main theater, and that was very good. He kind of like, you you named it, he could play it. Uh, so we enjoyed the big theater. They had several other music venues, and maybe it was because the ship was very crowded. The Christmas week, it was maxed out. A lot of kids, a lot of young people. The piano bar was always kind of difficult to get into. And I understand they're doubling the size of that or or enlarging the piano bar during this dry dock in April. But there's another area that they call the Queen's Lounge, which became kind of a multi-purpose space. During the day, they had America's Test Kitchen. I don't know. if Have you ever seen that PBS show? Yeah, yeah. It's great. I I love that show, actually. Yeah. Well, they've repurposed it onto the ship. And for example, there was a live person there. They did some video 
introductions and things from the the people that do America's Desk Kitchen. But then a cook came out and she talked. She actually pulled out this beautiful piece of salmon on one of her cooking shows and talked about how they had picked this up earlier in the year when they were up uh, doing their Alaska cruises. Cool. And a beautiful piece of salmon. She prepared it several different ways. And they handed out recipe cards with instructions so you could take those home with you. Also, kind of later in the afternoon, they would have uh, movies in that same uh, Queen's Lounge space. And at night, it was a blast. B.B. King's Blues and Jazz Club took it over. And it was just rocking all night. It was uh, really impressed with the live band and uh, there was some dance floor space. Again, it was packed with people. You had to get in there early. We kind of worked it so that it, when you came out of the main theater, we knew exactly where we wanted to go. And we went there directly to get in. So uh, we kind of beat the crowds out of the, the big theater yeah, and uh, headed to the smaller venue. You, you know what's cool, Bruce, is that a couple of weeks ago, you and I were in New York, and we were at this mm-hmm. travel event, and I broke away, and I went to the B.B. King's Blues Club over in Times Square to catch a show. Oh. So I wanted, to, I wanted to see what it was like. I've always done them on the cruise ships, but I got to say, it's, it's almost like a mirror image of a land-based B.B. King's Blues Club. Yeah, I've, I'm familiar with one of them that they have here in uh, – Universal City, mm-hmm. and uh, but I, I enjoyed the experience. We were able to dance, have fun. There was also some recorded music and dancing up in the uh, Crow's Nest, which is the upper forward observation lounge. Uh, they had a small dance floor, and they had a disco night and you know a, a '60s night. They had a variety of different themed dancing to uh, recorded music, and that was a, a fun space. But as I mentioned, there were a lot of people on this ship, a lot of younger people. There was a discotheque kind of buried, squished off into the corner of the ship. We went in there several times. It was empty. I think it got going around 1030 at night. I never made it over to that disco. But my understanding is they're pulling it out with this retrofit in April and turning it into, a, I believe, an art gallery. They have some... Connection with the gallery now. Was the disco on, on that ship, was that like off the casino kind of? Yeah, tucked yeah. back in a corner yeah. off the casino. And also, I didn't I didn't do any gambling on this, but there were a lot of people in the casino all the time uh, when it was open. As far as the sea days go, how were the sea days around the ship for you? I think the captain put out a, a little flyer at the end of the cruise saying that the normal capacity of the ship was... 1916 we had 2065 about 150 additional people were on the ship Mm -hmm. compared to if every cabin was double occupancy so during the sea days and there were three of them no matter where you went it was a little crowded it seemed that they were handling the people pretty well in the Lido restaurant the buffet but when you headed out to find a place to sit especially if you wanted to go out to the pool it was kind of crowded the tables there And let me mention, as a common Holland American feature, the pool did have a retractable skylight Mm -hmm. lid on it, which uh, they were able to open and close to varying degrees depending on the the weather. But uh, it felt pretty crowded uh, across the whole ship, almost everywhere you went. Uh, But you could, if you worked at it, find a little spot to quiet. The bars were almost always empty during the day. So if you wanted to find a nice place to sit and read or talk or just relax, you could go down to one of the bars and inside. 
Cool. I know on Holland America, and I'm sure it's like this on every ship, but I, I really noticed it on Holland America that like on sea days when it's time to eat, you're like jockeying for space. Was it like that on the Lido deck for your sailing? A little bit. Not so much waiting to get food or uh, at one of the service lines where they were um, making sandwiches or whatever. It was more kind of walking around trying to find an open place to sit. Uh, but And then there was a little bit of a complication of running around, which yeah. is a little unusual for, for this category of ship. They don't normally have a lot of kids on these ships, I don't think. So uh, it was a little hectic. Yeah, gotcha. Also, I think an effect of having a younger group of people on this ship, the gym was packed all the time hmm. with a younger group of people on the ship with their families and multi-generational travel happening during this Christmas week, holiday week. There were a lot of younger people in the gym working out, doing the yoga class, that kind of thing. So my girlfriend did a spa appointment mm -hmm. and enjoyed it. She said her masseuse was excellent and uh, she enjoyed the uh, spa experience. Very nice. Now, on this seven-night sailing, you said you hit three ports, was it? Yeah. We hit Cabo San Lucas, mm -hmm. which was a tender port, Puerto Vallarta, and Mazatlan. We enjoyed them all. We'd been to these ports before. Uh, we did kind of a similar type of tour in each of the cities. Mm -hmm. Your basic walking tour to see the city, and then it kind of concluded with a meal. In Cabo, we went... Oh, at Cabo, we avoided the city, and luckily, there's a tour that takes you right out of the city immediately. Cabo San Lucas has got a lot of bars and shops and... It's a bit hectic. They put you on a bus and take you over to San Jose Los Cabos, which was a beautiful small town, not impacted by the tourist trade. We sat at a park and watched kids with their brand new bicycles that they'd received the day before on Christmas Day, riding their bicycles around in the park. It was a, a really nice excursion. And we'd planned all these excursions online before we boarded the ship. So we booked all these early. So you booked all these through the cruise line then? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Puerto Vallarta, we did, a, a again, a, a kind of a walking tour through town, saw the church, saw the city hall, uh, then went over to a, a short drive outside of town where there was a tequila factory, and they did the tour, and they had dancing and pinata breaking, and uh, on my Instagram account, there's a video of a young girl whacking away with a bat at a pinata. Uh, <laughs> And had a meal there uh, at the tequila factory, and that was that was nice. Mazatlan has a different vibe. It's a real working town. Mm -hmm. It's known for its shrimp. It's one of the largest shrimp producers. It has the feeling of a working town. We went to their Mikado Central Market, and as I was walking around, I said, boy, this is a really interesting architecture. And later on, a tour guide told us that it had been designed, the structure had been designed by Gustav Eiffel of Eiffel Tower fame. Oh, wow. And it had a lot of that similar kind of heavy iron structure to it. Another interesting thing at Mazatlan, they, I guess they struggled with getting cruise ships to come there mm -hmm. uh, and visit. And when cruise ships arrive, there's a large group of local volunteers. These are what you might call uh, 
snowbirds who are there during the winter, and expats, Americans who have moved into Mazatlan. They put on these blue shirts that say volunteer tourism questions, and they're all over the city. And they've got these signs, and at almost every major tourist spot, you'll see one of these volunteers uh, there to ask questions. And I spoke to a couple of them, and they said, yeah, when the cruise lines uh, were kind of talking about taking the stop off their their itineraries, they started to get active. And it, it was a group of individuals. It wasn't the city. It wasn't a tourism company. This was just a bunch of volunteers that got together, thought it up, and did it. And it was uh, uh, really a handy thing to have. That's so cool. I think it makes a big difference, too, because a lot of people still have that. There's that misnomer that... Mexico is bad, you know? Yeah, I live in Southern California. I get a little bit of the news. It's changed a lot. It's changed so much that Disney is coming back this year. Disney left. Uh, I think one of the reasons was the concern about crime in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, things have changed. And they're headed back with a Mexican itinerary later this year. Definitely. So cool to hear that. Um, I love Mazatlan. So you make your way back to San Diego. How was the disembarkation process for you? We had a lot of Asians on the ship, Chinese, Japanese. uh, They were non-English speakers. When the ship arrived, they asked all the non-U.S. passport holders to go to the Vista Lounge for a face passport check and to expedite the exit off the ship. And it took, I think they planned for a half hour. It took them an hour and a half. And they kept reading off names, sounded like uh, Chinese passengers, you know, trying to communicate to them to come down to see the uh, inspectors because they had a list of all the foreign passport holders. As a result, the departure was delayed. Holland American handled it very well. They kept us up to date. The very first thing is anybody with an airline reservation, boom, you were first priority off the ship. We, of course, were in no hurry, so we just hung back. So they got all those people off. Uh, One thing did happen. My girlfriend, who has a Canadian passport, went down and uh, they asked her if she was traveling alone. She said, no, I'm, I'm with my fiance. And then my girlfriend came back up to the room and said she told them that she was traveling with her fiance and... And I said, well, was that person wearing a uniform? And I said, you can't lie to a uniform government official. And I said, we ought to change that from girlfriend to fiance. What do you think? And uh, she said, yes. Wait, what? So my girlfriend became my fiance as we waited to depart the Western Dam. Really? Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, totally. You're off the ship and you're into the oh, customs man, it was area. Fast. How was that? I mean, they got all the airport people off. Uh, the luggage was laid out. It categorized with the letter that I put on the, the luggage. And because they've done this pre-screening, I walked right through uh, uh, border control. Uh, my girlfriend had the sticker right through five minutes, maybe, to find your luggage, okay. and off we went. Do you have any first-time tips uh, to offer people who may be considering sailing Westerdam? I think a lot of things may change with this dry dock. So that's something to keep in mind. It is not a family fun ship. Mm -hmm. Uh, Water slides are not there. You know, some of the support facilities, they do have Kids Club HAL, which was an an operation to support the younger people that were on the ship. And they were very busy, obviously, because of Christmas week. So they have some of that, but it's not really intended to 
have a lot of the distractions that I think that you know the big monster ships mm-hmm. have. This is a, a mid-sized ship. Gotcha. Uh, let me see a couple of tips. Uh, you know what I always take with me on on cruise ships? These magnet hooks. You can get them on Amazon, and they're like a, a little hook, and they're on a magnet, and they're mainly for teachers to I think to use in classrooms. But you can take them, and the walls of cruise ship cabins are metal. And you can stick them to the wall and hang things like your lanyard. If you carry your your key in a uh, a lan- on a lanyard, your your card, uh, scarves, light jackets, things like that. It gives you some extra hanging space uh, by sticking these magnets on the wall. So I use those, and then a power charger adapter that goes from the wall power to USB for charging, and mine has four charging outlets. So I suggest people do that. But the Holland American, I wish I'd been a little more toward the center of the ship. I kind of like being uh, kind of toward the midship. I was out toward the bow a little bit. Uh, We had some rough seas on one night, which they warned us about, and uh, was due to heavy winds. But once we got out into deep water, that diminished. And the other thing is book early. This was a Christmas cruise. They did a lot of cool stuff. They had a big event on Christmas morning where Santa was spotted, and they talked about him coming in. They could see him on radar. And then up on video screens throughout the ship, you saw Santa getting off a a lifeboat, tender boat, and he climbed off, and he worked his way through the ship. And the next thing you know, he showed up in the Vista Lounge with wrapped presents for all the kids. There were Christmas decorations. There were Christmas-themed musical events on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with Christmas music. Christmas morning, there were there was eggnog and uh, Christmas cookies throughout the ship being served by the staff. Uh, that was a little unusual. So, if you're going to do a Christmas cruise, book it far in advance. That's that's probably the the primary tip. Sounds like a lot of really cool Christmas festivities around this sailing. Yeah, Christmas was the second day. Mm-hmm. It was a sea day. And uh, so there was a lot of opportunity for them to do things. I enjoyed that aspect of it. I'd never been away from home on Christmas. I've always spent it with family or friends. You know, it was the first time away from home for Christmas for both of us. And it was a lot of fun. Cool. Well, looking back over this sailing, what was the biggest highlight for you? I guess going into it, I was concerned about whether my girlfriend, now fiance, would uh, enjoy the experience. I think Holland American was a good choice. It was a mid-sized ship. All the aspects were exactly as I expected them to be. They met expectations, my expectations. And for my girlfriend, they tended to exceed her expectations because she wasn't really expecting it to be as enjoyable as it was. So will she cruise again is the question. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> and and that was one of, I hate to say it, but if, I don't know, if, if she hadn't enjoyed the cruise, would I have proposed on that last day? Right. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Well, uh, final question here, Bruce. Uh, what are your final thoughts of the Westerdam? I would definitely do it again. I'd recommend it to adult cruisers. If you're a family cruiser and you're expecting to find lots of diversions for the children, you're not going to find it. This particular itinerary, which was three days at sea, three days in in Mexican ports, the Mexican Riviera itinerary, was very enjoyable, uh, a nice balance of at sea and on the land. 
We've been talking with Bruce Murray from TravelBlogger.com. Uh, over your sailing, Bruce, I was really enjoying all of your Instagram posts and your tweets about this ship. If we want to follow you online, uh, where can we find you? TravelBlogger.com. There's a link that goes to my Twitter account, Facebook, Instagram, uh, which is where I'm doing most of my posts are out on social media. Cool. Well, Bruce, uh, once again, congrats on the engagement, man. It was great talking to you. Great talking to you, Doug. That is so cool that he got engaged on the ship. If you've got ever got engaged on a ship, shoot me an email. Let me know about it. Comments at cruiseradio.net. Love Bruce. He's one of the good guys out there. Uh, again, thanks again for listening. Don't forget our website, cruiseradio.net. Also, our Facebook group, Cruise Radio News. Come join us, won't you? And thanks again for checking out this bonus episode of Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.